Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we do a preview for The Batman. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. Fear is a tool. When that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. I can't wait to see The Batman. It's my most anticipated movie since probably like Dune or Interstellar. It's like up there. I'm, I'm beyond excited. I can't wait to see what Matt Reeves does. I think... Uh, Robert Pattinson was such a great choice. This is coming out March 4th. Get your tickets on. Well, you would have already gotten your tickets. They went on sale February 10th. So we're filming this on February 9th. Mm. So we're gonna wait. I'm waking up at 6, 6.30, 7. Every time, every hour, I'm going to check to see if the tickets are on sale because I think they went on sale at 9 a.m. Mm. for the preview early ones. But I can't wait. We're going to go see it like three or four times. Yeah, and this was a hotly anticipated film for 2021, but it was pushed back and delayed multiple times because of covid so it was supposed to come out last year and so we're just very excited to finally see this film i think there's a lot of anticipation for it it looks like such a unique take for a comic book film that we haven't seen before a really uh uh, truly original vision by matt reeves it looks like and the press the marketing the trailers and the posters have just been fantastic by warner brothers and dc so far i think they're gearing fans up for a big release so far it's projected to earn between 130 and 180 million dollars for its opening weekend they'll be able to narrow that down um, closer to the release but it is tracking extremely well i'm calling a billy i think it's gonna make a billion dollars worldwide and we'll talk everything we know about the batman in this episode as well as go over some theories we might have some things we've picked up on that maybe you haven't watched in trailers and stuff like that so if you want to go into the movie completely blind I would suggest stick around for like a little bit, maybe see if, you, if you're if you into this, but we're not going to spoil anything because we don't know anything. Yeah. We're just guessing, taking shots at the dark kid. <laughs> but um, what I love about this movie, what it seems to be like, is Matt Reeves describes this version of Batman as a mix between detective story, action movie, and psychological thriller, almost like a serial killer film. It looks like a blend between Batman mixed with Zodiac, mixed with Seven, obviously with the Riddler having that very Zodiac-inspired feel and theme to him. And the Zodiac is like the actual Zodiac killer. He was like a comic book villain, you know, I mean, he's someone who he killed multiple people, tormented and played with the police. Uh, and so it, 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 he was a fantastical personality that was actually in real life and he was a real world person. I think that's what makes using him as a subject of inspiration for the Riddler and for the entire idea behind the theme of the story being a detective film i think that's what really makes it unique among any other batman film and any superhero film we've seen before um i think that it was a really smart take and i'm super intrigued to see how dark they go because movies like zodiac and seven are as dark as you can go with the movie seven i think is one of the most brutal movies ever and i i obviously it's going to be pg-13 but it will be a hard pg-13 i'm sure that Matt Reeves is trying to is going to try and push the push the boundary 
and get as close to that line as he possibly can in terms of the brutality. I'm sure we're going to see um, some gore. I think we'll definitely see some stuff that you're not typically seeing in superhero films. And like Anthony said, the marketing has been so good for this movie. The posters, of course, we got the cliche floating heads on a pyramid <laughs> poster. Every movie does, especially the big ones. It's just marketing 101. It's it's like clickbait. You got to show for, the faces. It's clickbait yeah. for posters. That's what it is. That's why they do it. But we've been getting some very artistic posters for the Batman, either some like several solo Batman posters or some of Catwoman and Batman, a couple of the Riddler, really interesting stuff. I love like the Riddler one where he's like in the bottom right corner of the poster and he's got the note that says for the Batman. And if you see, if you've seen it at a movie theater, there's like thumbprints and, and like scratch marks, like it's been used before. It's really cool. So the attention to detail in this movie seems intense. Every shot that I've seen in a trailer or a commercial looks like it's just full of information, full of in- incredible production design, set design, and wardrobe. And we've actually, for the set today, we went with red lighting to to match the theme of the marketing. And I'm I think vengeance. I'm vengeance. <laughs> I think that it's been a really terrific marketing campaign and uh, going heavy with the red, not just like making the font red, but all of the colors and saturations of most of these posters are just deep reds. And I think it's really um, eye-catching and really striking and also seems to tap into the, the the tone that Matt Reeves is going for, it seems like. Exactly, because it's not what we're accustomed to with Batman, with Batman movies. It's usually, even the Nolan ones, they're great, but they're very safe in terms of like pushing the boundaries of something that like we've been talking about could go R. And not like, it's they're not, they're dark, like the... the Dark Knight gets pretty dark at times with the Joker and everything, but if we see intense violence happening off screen, you know, when the Joker's killing people, it's usually they cut yeah, like the, on the pool the, table. Yeah, the, the yeah. camera's on somebody else when he does it. Mm-hmm. And so this one's just going extra dark, and the red vibrancy, like you said, is just unusual for a superhero film like this and being so dark. And today they actually launched Samsung did a uh, partnered co- commercial with them for some of their new products and there was some new footage in it that we've never seen before and if you haven't checked it out, I recommend looking at it ASAP. It's a, a minute spot featuring some of their products. But we also got a look at some new tech. Like we saw a glimpse of the contact lens that Batman uses in one of the other trailers, but also a great shot of him running down the side of a building with a cable. And like there's another shot where he's like swinging on a cable, like into fire and stuff. It's absolutely insane. I think the scale of this is going to be epic. Yeah, it, because that technology, it is being developed. And I'm sure it's it has been developed like to the point of it working that context but i mean it's obviously not even close to being something that's widely used by an average person but it would make sense that bruce wayne has this kind of technology this prototype kind of technology that he can use and we'll get the money we'll get into the gadgets and tech in a little bit but before we continue the best way to support raiders of the lost podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash raiders of the lost podcast where you get awesome perks like our podcast schedule personalized videos patreon shouts on the show which we just did recently as well as weekly bonus episodes for godfather tier in all tiers but godfather's get a second bonus episode that they get to choose themselves. We also just launched our podcast masterclass online course recently. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or just improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show to try to find the success that we have. It tells you everything we've done and do on a daily basis. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go on our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage, you can see all of our merch, custom movie posters, our content. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in around the world and using our our um, 
sponsorship codes is also an incredible way to help support us to keep those sponsors like Manscaped and Movie Posters. So we really appreciate everyone who's been using those. Now, let's get back into the Batman. <laughs> now, will this be the bat- best Batman ever? I, You know, The Dark Knight is such a brilliant movie. It supersedes superhero films and we've talked about that before how it's just on a different level of filmmaking that sometimes you can even consider it's not even a superhero movie at times it's so good and also i think batman begins is just as good as the dark knight it gets a lot it gets overshadowed by the dark knight but people always forget about how good that movie is but i would not be surprised if the batman is just as good as the dark knight but for different reasons yeah for different reasons but for me nolan's batman and bruce wayne though that interpretation is how i picture batman bruce wayne i feel like it really tapped into how i feel about the character and so this new version i'm sure it's going to be excellent i really like the new take on it and it seems really fresh but i'm not sure it'll be able to surpass how i already feel about nolan's batman again but it is it's subjective and we grew up watching those in our most formative teenage years of film so we were we've been obsessed with the dark knight trilogy since we were teenagers you know that's the dark knight movie score by Hans zimmer was the first film score that you like got me into listening to movie scores i was like are you listening to the soundtrack (laughs) for batman you're like bro it's the best kind of music get on it and so i've been hooked ever (laughs) since that and born and we were what 15, 17, 17 years old, 18 yeah. years old when that happened. So it's had such a huge impact on us and on the superhero genre in general, not just DC, but with Marvel and, and Sony, what everyone's been doing with their superhero movies. It's because of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and the success that was there. But I am predicting that we might get the best performance by a protagonist in a superhero movie with the Batman. Not that Christian Bale is not great, but he obviously he's not flexing his acting chops to full potential in those three movies. He does have great moments. But he plays a more stoic character yeah exactly in terms of what he can do and has done in several other films but i'm talking about and not not the joker the joker's an antagonist i'm talking about protagonist in a superhero film i think pattinson's going to give us the best performance ever in that realm i could i could see that for sure of him not being the best interpretation of bruce wayne but giving the best performance ever in a comic book movie i actually was thinking this could be the first time a superhero gets nominated for an oscar Maybe, yep. maybe not. But again, it's coming out in March, and movies that come out that early never really get yep. awards recognition. They, they're starting to, though. They're starting to. And at some point, it's yeah. going to be because the only like superhero movies will be coming out. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite aspects to this film, and it actually it might be my favorite aspect of the film, is that this movie in this world that Matt Damon is establishing with Matt, the first Matt film. Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know he was directing. <laughs> Talent, multifaceted guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My best friend's Ben Affleck, and I am also direct movies kid. <laughs> the Batman. But um, this, this vision and world that Matt Reeves is creating and establishing with the first movie, I'm sure this will, they'll try to make a trilogy out of this, is it has no connection to any other films. It has no connection to the... DCEU. Matt Reeves walked into it. That was his number one stipulation. I don't want to make this a connected universe. I don't want to tie in other superheroes into my movie. I don't want to have a post credit scene that teases like a Justice League movie or a Flash movie. I want this just to be completely its own thing in its own world with no one else um, entering it. And I really have been looking forward to superhero movies getting back to that. It, the crossovers are fun. You know, having characters in and out of movies and then the team up movies are great, but I think what makes The Dark Knight so special is that it's just The Dark Knight. Um, I think when when movies um, can be a singular vision from start to end, it doesn't tease a movie in the credits, it doesn't 
because it, it sometimes with the Marvel and the new current DC movies, it feels like there's never an ending happening, and it's just this never-ending, continuing story. And I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that. I like when a movie ends that it's over, and then it's the first like novel in a series. You know what I mean? I think it, that they should just close the book on each movie at the end of the film. And so I'm very much looking forward to this Batman series being its own thing. Exactly. I feel the same way. That's a really good point that you, the movies never seem to fully end, even with Endgame, that, that it's not over, you know, which it pros and cons to it. You don't have the satisfied ending where, like, it's over. The trilogies, like the Dark Knight trilogy is done. We're never going to see another one of those movies. We'll never see Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne or Batman again, probably, for that reason, which is good. And, you know, it, it's like closure on the story and the characters. But I like how... We're going to have multiple iterations of the same characters going on at the same time, which is just like TV has always been, just like comic books and books have always been. So I have no problem with there being like three or four different Batmans and with Matt Reeves being on his own. Like, I don't want any connections here. Hopefully we get that. You never know. Maybe maybe there's going to be some fun little Easter eggs of like Superman or something like that. I don't, we don't I know. I doubt it. I we highly doubt we it. We don't know yet, though, So until we see it. And the, the aesthetics of this film are just out of this world. It looks incredible. Um, looks like the best Batman movie visually, probably, except maybe maybe Batman Begins because that is beautifully Dark shot. Dark Knight Rises is really great. Yeah, visuals. Wally Fisher was great. Yeah, cinematography on those, but this is very artistic. Reminds me uh, very much of not just Seven and Zodiac, but aesthetically, it looks like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Lots of silhouettes, lots of large wide shots, lots of lots of colors with silhouettes, um, and lots of. Like the city, the city, the city looks like Blade Runner. Gotham, city. Yeah, it yeah. looks sort of like Blade Runner and all Angeles. the LCDs, all like the advertisements. It looks very much like LA and Blade Runner. Yeah, and Greg Fraser, he filmed this and he's the guy who filmed Dune. He did Star Wars Rogue One, which I think he's one of the main reasons why everyone people love that movie is because he helped change the aesthetic of the Star Wars universe. Him and also the, the cinematographer of. Uh, Solo, who was who also did Arrival, yeah, who Bradford Young who yeah. did Arrival with Denis Villeneuve. Those two guys really helped change the look of the future Star Wars films. And I think Greg Fraser is just in his prime right now, making some incredible films. I agree. I think the imagery looks really terrific. Like there's just a couple of shots that are just really incredible. Like there's a quick shot of it looks like Batman holding a, a flare, leading cops through this body of water to some kind of wreckage and. You know the red in that, and lots of the silhouettes. I've seen people on Instagram. They've they've compared shots from the trailer to shots of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which you mentioned earlier. And I just think that the aesthetic, what we've seen in the trailers, isn't even close to what's in the movie. Yeah, I feel like they haven't given anything away because if you look at the trailers, it's just snippets here and there. And considering this is almost a three hour movie, I feel like there's so much footage that we have not even seen yet. And the create the creativity involved. It's Blade Runner twenty forty nine creativity on a Batman movie, which is just I'm in love with this. And what it feels like when I watch it is it's like the Matrix. The Matrix was storyboarded by graphic artists and, and comic book artists. That's why it looks so good in all the shots. The original Matrix, all those shots are so creative and interesting and symbolic and metaphorical because it was really it was storyboarded by comic book graphic artists. It has that same feel here where every shot is purposely designed as a work of art, as metaphors for something, as, as symbols for something happening in the future. Even like, especially the shots of like the Joker putting the question mark in the cappuccino on the foam, like stuff oh, the like Riddler. That. Yeah, I mean, did I say Joker? I'm yeah. sorry. The Riddler putting the the question mark in the cappuccino on the foam. That's such a beautiful artistic shot of like the camera just like going up and over on top of it. I'm curious if that was designed. That scene obviously is in the movie, but if that shot in particular, when the camera goes over the cappuccino. 
Is that was that just made for the trailer? I'm Maybe. curious about because the push in it seems like it gets a little fantastical going like that and actually making a perfect question mark. I think that might have been made for the trailer. We'll find out. We'll find out yeah. very very but soon. But I, I love the aesthetic because that diner it looks like it's like a '70s diner. It has this blend of like old architecture and structures like the cemetery, like um, what looks like the Batcave is set within an abandoned train station. So this old these old structures and architecture combined with a modern aesthetic, it looks really cool. As well as a great blend of clearly there are plenty of CGI and special effects shots in this movie, but there's also a lot of practical filmmaking. I mean, when the Batman is chasing Riddler. I mean, the penguin in the car, and then we just see him hit the side of the car, and he keeps going, and then his his car stops, and then through the windshield, we see a, a car flipping at, like, incredible high speeds. That's a, car, that's a car flipping at, like, 80 miles per hour. Yeah. In front of the camera, in front of the windshield. It's incredible, so I can't wait to see how much of the filmmaking was practical. Obviously, again, there's going to be plenty of CGI and special effects shots. What what shots I'm really looking forward to is that it happens in that, sh- in that scene in the trailer in the car is... Uh, Reeves is strapping the camera to things like Nolan likes to do. And it looks like he's strapping the camera onto Batman's shoulder as he's like moving through the city and flying and, and repelling down things. Like so when he it, jumps off the building, right? Yeah, it looks like he's just he's going to strap the camera on Pattinson's back and then we're just going to be flying with Batman, which looks really cool. I can't wait to see how he's going to fly if it's some sort of suit. But it, it seems like there was like some button he pressed and like a new suit po- like powered up over him. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I don't want to get to the gadgets <laughs> yet because I want st- to stick to... More of the marketing, they released a clip like a couple weeks ago of the funeral scene, and I did not watch it because I want to go into this movie just watching trailers and little marketing things. I don't want to watch full clips. It's like a three-minute clip, but it's supposed people reacted to it really well, obviously, and there's some great comments that I read, but I don't want to watch it. Feel free to watch it if you want, but I don't want to watch three minutes of a clip from this movie. I'm going in not spoiling anything for myself. Yes. Even though it doesn't yeah. spoil anything, I'm sure. But. I, have, I haven't seen it either because I want to walk into this as blind as possible as well. And also some of the posters, it's really cool. There's hidden messages on actual posters, which I can't wait to get some of these in where if you hold like a blue light or a black light on some of the posters, there there are hidden, message, hidden messages from the Riddler that say, you are a part of this too. Stuff like that. It's just so fun. Like a great marketing campaign to get people involved like that. There's also a website filled with riddles from the Riddler. So if you go on this website and you, it asks you three different riddles and you have to type it in the correct answer or not, and then it's like the Riddler is joking with you and teasing you. And people have been like trying to figure out their like the ciphers, kind of like in Zodiac, but we've gotten, gotten glimpses of these codes and ciphers and breaking the codes. Oh, people trying are trying to, to. Oh, yeah. That's I don't just watch the movie. Yeah, but it's, it's still fun. Yeah. I think there's one that they released for people to break the code, but it was something like "You are a part of this too" or something like uh, mm-hmm. like, like something on like, a poster. Like yeah, it was just yeah. like a slogan that. It was fun for people to decode, which is really interesting and hints back again to the Zodiac Killer. And I think that I think the Riddler was a really great choice for the first villain in this series. I think that the previous iterations of the Riddler have obviously been very cheesy, very over the top. As I mean, Jim Carrey is great as Riddler, but it is just like it. It's you can't take it that seriously. That's kind of just the, the style of that movie, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but the like the character can be goofy on the on the page as well, and like his costumes. Very vibrant with green and his top hat, and he's just, he's like a silly character. But I think that in, in the video games, they improved upon him by making him more like maniacal and just like insane. Which I think the interpretations of the, in the video games, like Arkham games, are awesome of Riddler. 
But with this, I really think this could be the best ever interpretation of the Riddler character. Oh, I agree. So let's stay on the Riddler for a little bit, played by Paul Dano. And what's interesting about the Riddler in this movie is his name is Edward Nashton, when normally the Riddler is named Edward Nigma, Enigma, Enigma, which is pretty interesting that they got rid of there. And he's obsessed and like, he has some great lines in these trailers. One of them that I hear, one of my favorites is, I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool that we call a city. So it seems like, for me, when I'm watching it, it seems like the Batman and Riddler are kind of similar. It's sort of like Dark Knight and Joker. Our Joker's like, we're not very different. We're, 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 we're two ends of the same coin, whatever, like those things he's talking about. It's, it seems like Riddler and Batman are sort of similar, where in a way, you know, Batman's a vigilante, maybe... The Riddler sees himself as a vigilante, but a much more extreme homicidal version of a vigilante where he also wants to clean up the city, maybe, but and he's doing it by murdering these politicians, these people in power and control of Gotham City that have let it turn into a cesspool. Maybe like he, his perspective is like all these petty criminals, they aren't the problem that Batman, like the real problem are the big fish of the world, like the politicians, the corrupt politicians, the corrupt bureaucrats and uh, corrupt CEOs of corporations. Exactly, because in the trailer, the first trailer we got in the first images was when the Batman, he comes to the the murder scene of who we assume is the district attorney of Gotham, right? Or, Or maybe the mayor because of the billboards and the posters on his wall, stuff like that. So it seems like that the Riddler is going through the city and murdering high end high officials people in high power and high seats and he's cleaning up the city that way whereas the batman's cleaning up the city by fighting crime and also bruce wayne is connected into uh this game of the riddlers and he seems to be the main target for the riddler bruce wayne not the batman he he happens uh, i'm sure they'll explain how he figured out batman was bruce wayne but i believe the wayne family and wayne corporation will have a big part to play in the the riddler's motivations and it seems as though if it was if i was a guessing man if i was a betting man i would say that the riddler his life was probably destroyed and maybe even the lives of people around him destroyed by um the wealthy elites like the waynes so i i think he might be getting retribution for maybe what was done to him in the past because of these giant companies and corrupt politicians. Similar to Joker and his motivations for wanting to go against the establishment and obviously commit crimes and become the Joker at the end of the film. It's a, you know, he's, he's in a city full of people who abandon him and just let him and many of the citizens of the city just live in this cesspool similar to Gotham City. Obviously, it's Gotham in that, city, in that movie as well. And just to stay on the Riddler for a little bit more, Love the costume design of the Riddler. He's got, it's all green, but it's darker and more desaturated greens. Looks like the Zodiac Killer. He has a symbol that's similar to the Zodiac symbol, who, which was the bullseye, but now it's sort of like a bullseye with like question marks on either end of it. And he's got this like weird, creepy, gimp-like green leather hood mask that Reminds he wears me over. the Tarantino scene in Pulp yeah, Fiction, yeah. exactly. And so, and then there are holes inside of it, and there are... It seems like he poked holes for breathing inside the mouth area. There's not like an open mouth. There's just holes that he probably poked there when you look at Uh. it, which is really interesting. And he wears glasses on top of the leather mask to see. And his mask has eye holes, obviously, for that. And also the scene where in the trailer where Catwoman and Batman have been working together and they seem to be sort of infiltrating or stopping the Riddler's plans that we can assume is at the climax of the film. His henchmen are dressed like him, too, in the same kind of garb or similar like green trench coat leather mask outfits. Oh, I think I missed that henchman shot. So that's the one where— Riddler henchmen. Yeah, so if you actually— 
It's the clip, so you know how when uh, Batman jumps down from that like balcony, uh-huh. the catwalk, and he starts messing people up with the gun, and he, he takes the gun up with yeah. the smoke all around him. There are there are henchmen around them of dressed up like the Riddler. Oh, I just assumed they were the same guys with the white makeup as in the other part no, of the trailer. So that's just, oh, okay. those those guys seem. They're like be, a, a, an anarchist group. Probably, like. yeah. That's yeah. what I'm guessing. I think there's going to be a theme of anarchy or rioting or protesting going on in this film. That's what they seem to be like. I bet this, I bet the the first thing Batman does is he, he's, he confronts people like that. Yeah, like petty crime, small crime, yeah. stuff like that. To establish his character. Sort of, yeah. And I, what I really love about the Riddler is that he's using uh, smartphone technology, yeah. which we hadn't seen in any kind of superhero film outside of like it, well it happens in the Avengers obviously well, but B- Bruce uses it in um Dark Knight when he's getting the 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 mapping of yeah, uh, yeah, of yeah. his building in but, China but like to actually have the the Riddler FaceTime Batman it's great he's like you came <laughs> <laughs> he's live streaming serial killing which is yeah. interesting and that's being broadcast exactly. and that's happened in real life people have Facebook live murders and that's probably what would happen if there's a crazy serial murderer who was taking over control of an entire city he'd be using modern technology which makes sense also I don't know if anyone noticed but I think it seems like we get a glimpse inside Riddler's apartment in some of the trailers as well um, like the scenes and the shots where not the shots where it's the overhead of Bruce with his shirt off looking at all the clues that he's gathered on the ground, but there's another shot where it's it's Batman with a police officer, and they're looking at, like, a chalk-drawn um, outline or map of the entire Gotham City on a ground. You know the shot I'm talking about? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You, you've you've, seen, you've seen an image of it. It, it looks Don't like— Don't tell me what I have and haven't yeah. seen. <laughs> It looks like they're in Riddler's apartment because they're in a couple of the other shots with that cop and the and Batman in that room. We can see like prototypes of sort of like the neck technology device that he puts on that guy, the hostage he has with the duct tape on his hand and the phone, which seems to also maybe there's some sort of a mix of of saw kind of serial killing in this as well, where people have like things around them that they have to try to get off or Batman try to get off. And then there's also some shots, and you can see real quick, of decor of the Riddler and some of his tools. You can see a prototype, I think, of his mask and some other crazy apparatus and devices inside the room. Wow, man. I don't, I don't want to watch it for spoilers, so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to look into it, it's but just it sounds real quick, cool. But it seems like Riddler is leaving these clues, these breadcrumbs for Bruce. Like you said, he's trying to communicate with Bruce because he already knows that Bruce is the Batman, obviously leading him on a trail of breadcrumbs to learn the truth about what we don't know yet, you know, in like some other things that are written on Bruce's floor are a real change. See you in hell. The sins of my father. There's there's so much to talk about. And what I'm so curious about is what the Riddler's master plan is. I think it's going to follow along the lines of Seven where, you know, Mills and Somerset, they think they know what what John Doe is up to. But they have no idea and are not even close to prepared for what the final confrontation is. And it takes them completely both by surprise. So I think that something similar is going to happen where, you know, Batman and Alfred might be thinking like they are on on track to maybe stopping Riddler. But maybe it'll lead to this culmination that Riddler has been planning the entire time that will catch them by surprise. Yeah. I think it will be just similar to Seven in that way. Maybe Riddler will corrupt Batman just like what happens to Mills and John Doe at the end of Seven. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he's going to yeah. push him to the edge or something like that. And so I'm curious because there's that it, that shot of Andy Serkis. He's like, dear God, 
I'm and, like, what's he saying, dear God, about? And also, there's yeah. shots of or, or dialogue where Bruce is confronting Alfred with like, you've been lying to me this whole time, stuff like that. So, and so Alfred knows something that's going on, which I, I stuff w- about the Wayne family. Yeah, my the guess. Wayne family, which I want to get to in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about how the all the characters in this movie are sort of like in a transition period. So, so when you go into this movie, just remember, and I'm sure they'll they'll explain it. The Batman. This is year two of Bruce Wayne being Batman. So he's been Batman for a year. So he's still an amateur, you could say, at being the Batman or Vigilante. He's not an amateur, but he's still working on it. He's still still getting the ropes down, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And also, Selina isn't Catwoman yet. It seems like she, this is an origin story for Catwoman. She's just a thief at this point. Yeah. And Oswaldo, a.k.a. the Penguin, he's not the Kingpin of Gotham, I'm assuming... But what's crazy about this character is we've hardly seen any of him in the in the trailers or clips. We just see the shot of him like being chased by Batman in the car, a couple little glimpses here and there. He confronts him in some giant warehouse, and he says uh, something about like, what does he say? He's like, you're everything that they say you are. Yeah. But we don't even know what that scene, the context is. So I love how Oswald, Oswald Cobblepot is just such a mystery in this movie right now. Colin Farrell is such a great actor playing him and having all this transformation done to him so I, I'm so intrigued by the minimal information that we've gotten on Oswald Cobblepot aka the Penguin and it seems as though like I said earlier there's so much footage that we have no idea about like there's got to be scenes between Bruce Wayne and, and the Penguin not even Batman and the Penguin you know what I mean and I'm sure Catwoman and Penguin yeah, at some point because they're all they're all at that funeral um, they seem to be standing together and maybe 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 it's possible that Bruce Wayne knows Selena Kyle, or it's and it's definitely possible that Bruce Wayne knows Penguin. It just in the real in normal world. And we're I'm curious who's whose funeral it's gonna be. It's probably either the DA or a mayor or someone like that, you yeah. know. So we obviously if you watch the clip, you probably know, but again, we haven't seen the clip. And I a lot of people have been like trying to figure out is the Joker in this and they've been campaigning for the Joker to be in this, but I don't think that Matt Reeves should which ch- should touch the Joker until his third film. I think the Joker um, if you're gonna use them in this world, um, then we should wait a little bit. We should at, at least, least wait yeah, two. Films. Second movie's found with me. Well, that brings that makes me think of Barry Cogan. So he was in Eternals. He's in Sacred of a Killing, a Killing of a Sacred Deer. Awesome, awesome Irish actor. He's starting to blow up. He's in Dunkirk as well. So it recently, like a month ago, it was it was found out that he was cast and he has a small role in the film. And so his casting is Officer Stanley Merkel. And so in the original DC Comics, Merkel is Commissioner James Gordon's first partner. So Jeffrey Wright plays James Gordon in this movie. He's not commissioner yet. He's just a police officer or detective, James Gordon. But in this in this version, is Barry Cogan actually playing someone more sinister? Because he's such a talented eccentric actor and he plays so many interesting characters it seems odd that he's just a police officer because why not give him something more juicy to chew on like the joker because i mean let's be honest jeffrey wright's what 50s mid to late 50s barry cogan's 29 so and how did jeff how did um jim gordon not have a partner at this career in his career at this point yet I mean, that's definitely a point but keep in mind joseph gordon levitt played a cop the entire time in dark knight rises uh, Jim. Um, no, James I know. Like, so I would say it's possible he could, he could have a more mysterious role, but it's also possible he could just have a substantial role in this film. No, no, I agree, but I'm cop. just saying Barry Cogan in terms of the roles he's he's no, yeah, I, I, known I know, for. I you know, yeah, I'm just saying it's possible both ways. I would want to see him as he, I think he'd be a great choice for the Joker. I think and, Donald Gleason would be a great Joker. 
Don, yeah, Don Gleason would be great. I mean, obviously, yeah. Willem Dafoe, everyone wants to be Joker, but he might be a little on the, he might be a bit too old. Maybe like a, mm-hmm. like a late in his life Joker. We can do a, <laughs> a Norman Osborn Joker. <laughs> retirement home. Bruce Wayne versus Joker in the retirement home. We've also gotten a glimpse at John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. Just a quick little shot, quick little clip where he's like, he says something like, I'm not afraid. Like, why is everybody afraid of you? He's like, I'm, I'm not afraid of you at all. So another character barely shown in trade. And he, he has a pretty good role, Tom Wilkinson, as, as him in the first Batman Begins. And we also have Andy Serkis as Alfred. And so Andy Serkis said this about Alfred recently. He's an excellent code breaker and an intelligence expert. All of this is no coincidence given that Alfred has a background to match. He used to be a member of SAS. And so the SAS is the Special Air Service. Famous around the world's highly trained men renowned for their skills in covert surveillance, close combat fighting, and hostage rescue. The SAS was created during the Second World War, World War, World War when small bands of soldiers were dropped behind enemy lines in North Africa and Europe. So I'm pretty stoked to see like a former Special Ops Alfred. And, you know, Chris Nolan changed the idea of Alfred for movies because Alfred in all the previous movies and even in the animated series and most of the comic books, he's just like a butler and he just does the little things here and there. But he was just like poorly portrayed in the movies, like all of them, just a butler. And then with Michael Kine in the Nolan ones, we got a new a new father figure, an emotional uh, pulley uh, for Bruce Wayne, and then... You know, Jeremy Irons did great as this more um, practical, uh, seems to be battle-hardened uh, Alfred. And then I'm very excited to see Andy Serkis as Alfred. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, seems to be, like you said, highly intelligent and vital to Bruce's detecting. Yeah, just one more thing, and then let's maybe head into our intermission. and then, it. then we'll talk about Batman and Catwoman because they're the two big stars of this movie. So real quick, I want to shout out Michael Giacchino, who seems to have knocked this movie out of the park. So two themes have been released for the Batman. So the Batman theme and then also the Riddler theme, and they're both incredible. I've been listening to the Batman theme on loop for about a week and a half now. It's I've probably got 100 plays on it. It's pretty great. It's a six-minute track. Seems like it might be maybe the opening credit song to the movie. So since we're not going to see an origin story, maybe Matt Reeves is going to do that in the opening credit style, like how David Fincher was going to do it if he made the Spider-Man movie. Also, with the theme, when I first heard it, I immediately recognized that it has a similar... Um, style and some of the same chords as the funeral march, the famous Chopin song. That's you know the typical dun, 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 from Darth Vader. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, no, the funeral march. The funeral is like, that not when Star when, Wars or is it just well? Similar? They call it the march. Yeah, but um, the funeral march is you know the yeah, song yeah. that's played at funerals. Yeah. So that song has the same chords as Giacchino's theme in Batman. So I figured. I put two and two together, and it seems like Giacchino used the funeral march as an inspiration for the theme of the character because the character was created because of the death of his parents. And so it would make sense that the funeral chords would be used in his theme for this for this interpretation. And also there are like church bells with which yeah. harken to like a funeral feel and aesthetic. Yeah. So maybe I think maybe we're going to get the origin story in the opening credits somehow. I actually I don't think we will at all. We'll find yeah, out. We'll see. Because it's supposed to be a six minute opening credit sequence. That's what they're saying, or or like five minutes. minutes, eight minutes sequence. Eight minutes. Wow, yeah, I can't wait. I'll watch a thirty minute sequence. <laughs> I don't care. This is gonna again. This is gonna have a, a two hour and fifty five minute runtime. So definitely 
get all your peeing done before you <laughs> sit down to watch this movie. Don't I'm, drink any water before the movie. Yeah, for like four hours before the movie, don't drink a thing. <laughs> just cut, just spit the whole time. Just keep hawking loogies and then just dehydrate Chew on yourself. Gum. <laughs> And the Riddler theme is so awesome. It's very fantastical and and creepy and eerie, and I love the feeling of it, and I can't wait now. Let's head on into our intermission. I'm sure for Bruce Wayne, grooming is the last thing on his mind when he's pummeling bad guys at 2 o'clock in the morning. But for you, since you're not a vigilante that goes out at night stalking criminals, I highly recommend going to manscaped.com to get some grooming products for yourself for 2022. Recommending their 4.0 lawnmower groomer. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping your entire order today. The lawnmower 4.0 groomer is the best trimmer I've ever used in my entire life. It's so much better than those store-bought brands that you get at the usual places it's not going to pull your hairs it's skin safe 8000 rpm it's waterproof you can use it in the shower it's got a built-in flashlight it literally feels like a gadget that bruce wayne would use to beat up a criminal also their ultra premium collection just dropped which includes deodorant body wash two-in-one shampoo conditioner hydrating body lotion spray as well as manscaped lip balm like we've been saying they are starting to cover all your needs in your life so go to manscaped.com use our coupon code raiders of the lost at checkout you'll get 20 percent off your entire order and free shipping worldwide now let's head on into our intermission and then we'll get back into the batman now let's begin with our movie quote competition i have a quote from a fan anthony DeMeo: every man dies but not every man really lives <laughs> that's a tough one shoot <laughs> every man dies but not every man really lives it's a brave heart. Yeah. Nice. William Wallace. Okay, here's mine. Also from Anthony DeMeo. <laughs> <laughs> I think he DM'd both of us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Worse. Okay, so this is a Christmas movie. Worse. How can things get any worse? Take a look around, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. Hmm. Can you say it one more time? Worse. How can things get any worse? Take a look around, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. Uh, I don't know. Christmas Vacation. Oh, man. Classic. Yeah. Classic Good movie. One. Good one. Thanks, Anthony. Watched that a couple of years ago. Good one. All right. Guess the movie release year. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. 2004. 2005. Damn it. Damn. Okay. Guess this movie release year. The Outsiders. 1986. Three. 83. Damn. 83. Nice try. Almost. Nice almost try. there. Movie pop quiz time. How many live action Batman actors have there been? <laughs> Good question. One, two, three, four, five, six. Are we counting Pattinson? Yeah. Seven. I'm going seven. So seven live-action Batmans? Yes. There have actually been ten. Oh, Two damn. for TV and then eight for movies. Oh, yeah, the Gotham show. So this is... So we have Lewis G. Wilson, um, who was the original Batman in 19... Oh, before Adam 43. West. Uh. Robert Lowry in 1949's Batman and Robin. Adam West in 1949. And then we had... Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, 
George Clooney, Christian Bale, Will Arnett for the Lego movie. <laughs> it actually doesn't count. It's not live action. Yeah, it's not live action. Sorry, so nine. And then Ben Affleck and finally Robert Pattinson. So nine. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Nine. But uh, technically, the, in the Gotham show, it ends with Batman. The TV series? Yeah, the TV series. That's the final shot is uh, Batman's fully formed. Is he older? No, he's, he's like 18, 19, but he's Batman. Because when that show started, wasn't Bruce like a little kid? Yeah, but there was like seven seasons of it. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Does it look cool? I've, I've never seen it. Well, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, so technically there's been one more. Okay, so now we're up to 11. 10, 11, I don't know, something like that. A lot. A, a ton. Several. Many. All right. <laughs> we got any haters this week? I got a quiz question. Oh, yeah, sorry. You always skip mine. Sorry, man. Who directed The Outsiders? Um, Rob Reiner. No. <laughs> Good guess. Though. Straight up a guess. Um, I don't know. Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Yep. Damn. It's his uh his post um Godfathers. Snuck that one in between the Godfather <laughs> the, the and Godfather Part Two. <laughs> Hugh Grant and the gentleman. <laughs> All right, uh, haters, unsubscribes. How are we feeling? What we got? We got a couple. couple we got a couple. A c- couple of angry people. So actually, Preston, he called me out because I said Roger Do- Richard Donner died. I mean, did Richard Donner retired, um, and that's why he's not making Lethal Weapon 5, but he corrected me and said that uh, he actually died <laughs> and unsubscribed. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, before someone calls me out for, being, for me, I made a mistake last episode where I said Mission Impossible came out in 1997. And Anthony was correct. It came out in 1996. So congratulations, Anthony. You were right. Can you can you apologize for telling me I was wrong? I'm not going to apologize. So I guessed it right. And he said I was wrong. <laughs> oh. How about that for research? <laughs> I had a feeling. I was like, 96 feels right. Even when I said 97, I'm like, that didn't feel right. Where did you get that number? I don't know. Did you just come up with it on the top no, of your I've, head? No, I've read it, but I must have read it somewhere. Where did you read it? I don't know. <laughs> somewhere. IMDb. <laughs> Who knows these things? <laughs> but I was wrong. It was 1996. That's right. So you're the hater of the week. <laughs> <laughs> unsubscribe. I unsubscribe from your friendship. <laughs> we were friends. <laughs> okay. Streaming recommendation for me today is Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, a very charming rom-com. Wow. You just skipped all my stuff that I was going to do. Yeah. Well, you skipped me earlier. <laughs> my streaming recommendation is The House on Haunted Hill. On Amazon, Amazon Prime, there is an in-color version, which is pretty cool. And so, before, now we get back to our top fan of the week, or we have our, our great five-star review from Ryan Ciros. A five-star rating from Manscaped. Anthony and James look very well-groomed indeed, thanks to Manscaped. I'm impressed by their ability to talk about different kinds of camera work and cinematography. Also, their podcast is excellent to listen to while they do shelving at the Library of Congress. That is very cool, Whoa, Ryan. Cool job. I'll have to unsubscribe, though, if Anthony or James ever has a lazy 5 o'clock shadow at 9 in the morning <laughs> or forgets to trim nose hair, fingernails, etc. Stay in red carpet shape, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Hopefully, you use our Manscaped code because that has helped keeping the lights on everyone who uses Raiders of the Lost at checkoutmanscaped.com. Thank you so much. It reminds me of, I posted, a, so I did a Paddington 2 review last week, and I posted it on TikTok, a, a video of it, and someone commented, presented by Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Paddington uses Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, they are a loyal fan and partner of the show, and they le- like legit keep the lights on. Um, on this day in film history, today is February 17th. In 1936, the world's first superhero, The Phantom, a cartoon strip by Lee Falk, makes his first appearance in comics. 
Although you could probably say that King Arthur was the first superhero. In 1984, Footloose was released. In 1989, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was released. In 1995, Heavyweights was released. In 2012, This Means War was released. And happy birthday to, big list here, Joe Pesci, Karrion Hines, Zhang Ziyi, Charlie Day, Tom Hiddleston, and Michael B. Jordan. Great list. Yeah, epic list. A yeah. bunch of great actors. Yeah. Um, and also, was I going to say something else? I don't know. Um... Jesus was a superhero, kind of. <laughs> yeah, he totally has superpowers. I mean, walking on water, that's a superpower. The Passion of the Christ is Jesus' origins. Changing water to wine, that's a superpower. Like, that would be a sick superpower to have. <laughs> All right, let's get back into the episode. Like we said, the Batman's posters have been incredible from Warner Brothers. And the best place to get these posters are at movieposters.com. The number one place to get your posters online. Use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. All of these amazing Batman posters are now available at MoviePosters.com, as well as a selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their arsenal. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever your poster needs are. MoviePosters.com can handle it. James and I have decked our set out with these amazing posters. If you're watching on YouTube, we just got some new ones. I got Boogie Nights. James got Hateful Eight and Psycho. And I also got the the uh, the Great Escape, which I think is one of the best posters ever. For all your poster needs, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. All right, now let's talk about... First, Batman and Batson, and then we'll talk about Catwoman and Zoe. So I'm loving – I love the choice for Robert Pattinson as Batman. As soon as it was announced, I was like, yes, give me that 1,000%. Is the same way I reacted to Ben Affleck as as Batman because I think they were both great choices for the different versions of Batman that we're getting from these two guys and these two stories. And Batman, again, this is year two of being Batman. We're going to get a lot more detective work. He's got a lot more gadgets. He's got a great new, like, slogan where he's, I'm vengeance. Seems like minimal dialogue. And... Like I was predicting in our first Everything We Know About the Batman episode, I was talking about how there may be like a duality of Batman and Bruce Wayne combating with each other for maybe the, the personality of of Bruce sort of or the, or the body because Matt Reeves also said that he based this off the comic book um, Batman Ego and The Long Halloween as heavy influences and both of those deal with spe- specifically Batman Ego with the duality of inner Batman kind of taking control of Bruce and, and his actions. And what's really interesting is Matt Reeves, he wrote this script for Rat and pa- Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have a, a, a clip from an article. So not even knowing if he would ever want to be in the movie, he wrote this with Robert Pattinson in mind. After watching Pattinson's performances and being captivated by him as an actor, Reeves started to imagine Pattinson in the role at a certain point as he was writing. And Pattinson was always Reeves' top choice because he was always that version of what I saw on the page. I think of Bruce Wayne as this reclu- recluse rock star in a decaying manner. There's this part of me that so saw Rob as that, and I had no idea that he would be interested in playing the role at all. I thought I thought that if Rob doesn't want to play Batman, what would I do? This would be a disaster. But at the same time, Pattinson became fixated on the role of Batman without even knowing the status of the project at Warner Brothers, just on his own. 
And around the same time, Pattinson and the Batman producer Dylan Clark had a general meeting about potential collaborations with no specific project in mind. This is a meeting that actors have with producers about like properties and things they can star in um, to get into development. And then Clark said that while we were talking about 20 different things, Pattinson just started kind of saying, so what's going on with Batman? (laughs) After Reeves finished the the script eight months later, he finally met with Pattinson. I had to try to imagine what he'd written, and I hadn't even read the script, so I had come to this pad. I had come to this audition with a pad full of notes. This was the, and also, so yeah, that was the story of, like, both of these artists. They had been gearing their their careers and thinking about Batman for years before they even started making this movie. Really and, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and what's so great about Pattinson is he's so talented, and I think a lot of people haven't seen him outside Twilight, and, and I would say like half the audience going into this movie is like, haven't seen his movies besides the Twilight movies or just know him as the Twilight guy. It's like he's been in some incredible movies, really great roles. I mean, just check out Good Time, High Life, The Rover, The Lighthouse. He is an excellent, excellent, highly talented actor. And I have another great quote from uh, Matt Reeves right here Let's to talk it. about Bruce and the duality. So according to Matt Reeves, he's confronting the beast that is Batman. And there's a kind of duality. There's a lot in the story about Bruce Wayne confronting the shadow side of himself that's Batman and the degree to which you have self-knowledge. There's a psychological union where Batman is broken and he does things for reasons he knows and reasons he doesn't know yet. So that's really interesting. Maybe some sort of split personality going on here where like Batman's in control and Bruce doesn't know exactly what direction he's going and what he's doing things for and vice versa, which is really interesting if that's the case. That would be very interesting if that was the case because... Uh, the film's also going to feature heavy narration from Bruce Wayne, so maybe there will be narration from Batman and from Bruce Wayne. And maybe we'll have an unreliable narrator here, like we get in a lot of great films like Fight Club. Like an unreliable narrator really spices things up and keeps you looking the other way when the story's going in the other direction. And what I think looks really interesting is that even since since Bruce is so um, new to this whole game, he hasn't developed the proper Bruce Wayne persona yet because, you know, there's that journalist in the trailer saying that it doesn't look like he's doing anything to help the city and uh, like the Wayne family did so much better, but he's not really doing anything at all. So maybe in this film he needs to learn how to create the the Bruce Wayne public persona and he hasn't done that yet. Yeah, because that's a great um, difference between the Batman Begins Dark Knight Batman that Christian Bale and Nolan did where... Nolan's Bruce Wayne was able to hide all of Bruce's trauma and pain with the facade of the ignorant billionaire Bruce Wayne playboy act that he did. And Ben and Snyder's Bruce seemed to like bury that trauma deep down in his gut and just ignored it until it triggered at some point. Whereas Battenson and, and Reeves' Bruce Wayne looks like he's just consumed by pain, consumed by guilt, consumed by trauma, and he can't hide it, and he uses that to become Batman, and Batman is his way of getting the guilt outside of him and just, like, expressing that emotion. My favorite, one of my favorite things about the Christian Bale Batman is that he plays three roles really distinctly. He does the Batman role, Bruce Wayne the billionaire, and then Bruce Wayne the, the stoic, um, experienced man who's... Um, dealt with trauma in his life. And you can tell very easily which is which on screen. Whereas Ben Affleck, it seems like there's just two roles he's playing. And it looks like, again, with Pattinson, it looks like two roles he's playing in this one. And I like Bruce that we're going to get. It seems like he's a recluse. And there's obviously glimpses of him. He's a celebrity. He's Bruce Wayne, Prince of Gotham still. there's He's on tabloids. He's on newspaper headlines. Um, he's on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> 
But is and then his relationship with Selena and Catwoman is really interesting because they seem to form a relationship, a partnership in a way. Maybe they're going towards the same goal. But I would not not be surprised if Catwoman at some point, maybe in this movie or another movie, betrays Batman, like we've known to come to happen inside movies and comic books in the past. And you know, there's really interesting conversations where they're having with each other, where Catwoman knows that the Waynes are involved somehow in everything that's going on, and obviously she doesn't know. Batman's true identity but Bruce is obviously obviously still trying to hide not only who he is really but also that he's a Wayne from her it, it looks like because what because maybe he's afraid to lose her if she finds out not only who he is beneath the mask but that he's a Wayne as well I think it would be really cool if they had an intimate relationship in this one too because the Christian Bale he only he was intimate with um, Rachel with, <laughs> with Rachel but it was never shown <laughs> Rachel Rachel <laughs> where is she uh, Avenue X at Cicero <laughs> but um, uh, Marion Cotillard's character what's her name Talia uh, Talia Ghoul um, Talia Al Ghoul yeah they have they have sex in the Dark Knight Rises that's right the, in front of the, fi- the yeah. fireplace <laughs> and he, he's so blinded by her he, he does he misses the scar on her but um, I think it would be really cool to see, uh, you know, sexual intimacy again because it's not something that is ever done in superhero movies. Well, especially Marvel movies. It, it was the first time was it the Eternals was the first ever sex scene in a Marvel movie. Yeah, like twenty eight movies later. Yeah, twenty eight movies in. It's like come on, it's a part of life, and it's and I feel like and it's a part of comics. Yeah, it always part of has comics. Been. So I think that comic book movies have always strayed away from sex, and I think it, it would be it, it would seem to suit the tone. So what's he gonna keep the cowl on? Yeah. <laughs> Both of them. Uh, I'm vengeance. <laughs> I'm vengeance. Show me your vengeance. I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. <laughs> Show me your vengeance, Batman. Wow, you're so vengeful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's a little too far. Oh, my God, that's good. <laughs> Speaking of the cowl, I really like the cowl on the suit. The cowl, it's it's huge. It, like, goes all the way up to, like, his ear and his jawline versus Christian Bale's. Oh, exposure? Yeah, yeah, versus Christian Bale's and his Batman. Nolan's was very tight and just really just around, like, the goatee area of his face and the chin. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like a goatee. It's like, it's like a goatee what area. What would you call that? His chin? No, but like the upper lip area. <laughs> His jaw. I think it's a perfect way. Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I knew exactly what you meant. Exactly. Yeah. It's silly, but the goatee area is very cropped. Cowl, whereas... Battinson's cowl is huge. It's very open, and I like that. Show off his his jawline. Exactly, you gotta have the jawline to be Batman, and it's obviously homemade. It seems to be bulletproof. There's leather. There's stitching. And what I love about the suit is it's like a suit of armor. You know, Batson, Rod Pattinson, he's, he's what, like 6'1", something like that, 6 feet, 6'1". He's not enormous. He's not like how big Ben got. Ben was like 6'4", 270 when he was Batman. He yeah, was but a, he wasn't cut. But he, he, <laughs> the CGI let yeah, it be cut. CGI. <laughs> <laughs> but he was still a, a monster. That's a huge human being, yeah. giant head. That's yeah. a big guy. And and Christian Bale always got up to 180 as Batman. Yeah, and he was, he's 6'1", 180. Yeah. That's a big human being too. But, but what's interesting interesting about this interpretation of Batman is he's in shape. We got the shirtless shot of of Pattinson, Pattinson because people are worried about, like, he's always too scrawny. Is he going to get big enough? He seems big enough for this interpretation of Batman because he doesn't seem to need the, the, the large muscles as sort of protection against combat, but because it seems like his suit, it deflects bullets. It's like going out to battle in a suit of armor. It's really cool. I saw this great interview with uh, Pattinson. He seems to be, like, very funny and self-deprecating. 
like always like oh i love watching his interviews yeah and he's, yeah. he's he, he did this interview where people were asking about like taking his shirt off as batman and he said last time i took my shirt off was in, in twilight and when i took it off they asked me they politely asked me to put it back on because <laughs> <laughs> he's so skinny just but bony pale body <laughs> <laughs> but it's different he doesn't have to be an enormous jack person and again remember this is year two of Batman, so he's probably a skilled martial artist, jujitsu. I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of that, and he seems to be using the suit to his advantage to take out brutality on his victims. And, I think if and enemies, I think if you're gonna play Superman, you're gonna be huge. Yeah, but like Batman, I think he can get away well, with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly because of this type of Batman, and again, and the suit, the suit is yeah, so the suit cool. seems to be doing so much. De- deflecting bullets, it's so awesome. We never seen it before like that, and he seems kind of impenetrable unless he gets shot in the chin. But he takes a bullet off the noggin, which is crazy. So I yeah, can't yeah, wait yeah. to see that. And also with the suit and the cowl, this is the first film of Batman to address the black eye makeup. And because it's always been something that directors, even Nolan, ignored. Like, Batman will take his mask and cowl off, and his black eye makeup disappears. And it's most apparent, I think, in um when Michael Keaton in Batman... Uh, yeah. Ret- Batman Returns, is it? Yeah. yeah. The Close second ups. one, the second Tim Burton one, where... He rips his mask apart when he reveals to Catwoman who he truly is. And it's like, where'd the black makeup go? You just ripped your mask off. You just had black makeup, but now it disappeared. And also the makeup is really noticeable. It was the first time I noticed it was in Dark Knight Rises when when, uh, Bruce is uh, flying the jet over the body of water to get the nuke out of the city. And Nolan does just a nice tight close-up of of, uh, Batman. And it's so brightly lit, you can see the makeup on Christian Bale's skin. Yeah. Then I was like, oh, oh, there's his makeup. And then, obviously, whenever they take off the cowl, you never see it. But I agree. I really adore the concept. It, sh- it adds realism. Um, and also, the theatricality of dressing up as a bat and playing this role in a way of Bruce playing the role of Batman... It's very theatrical, and makeup is a big part of theater, so it only makes sense. See, so you took my suggestion of theatricality a bit, a bit too serious. Th- literally. Bit, literally. Um, also, the Batcave is awesome. Like Anthony said, it looks like an, like an abandoned train station, maybe underground. It's got a bunch of cool tech. Um, again, we're dealing with secrets with, with the funeral, the car, mo- the car Batmobile. It looks like Bruce put together different types of cars. It seems to be inspired by a 1960s Chevy Camaro, but also incorporates elements of a Ford Mustang and a Dodge Charger. I like the fact that it's smaller in scale. It's not a tank anymore. We have the Bat Cycle, which is a really cool motorcycle and gadgets, more advanced tech. We have like that electric shock taser weapon that he seems to have on his wrists or forearms or 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 his 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 hands, as well as the contact lenses that we got a great look at in the Samsung commercial. Where I don't know if it's going to be some sort of detective mode like in the Arkham video games, where he can kind of see villains and he's using the the I would say um not not uh, VR but augmented reality to. Mm-hmm interact with environments and bad guys and everything like that but also it seems like he's recording everything that he sees which he can look up later when he input and it's like a camera yeah Yeah. when he downloads all the files from the contact lens and i'm sure like it'll be um linked up with alfred's computer so that they can do things live like uh google docs and now catwoman played by zoe kravitz this looks like a great interpretation of the character and catwoman is the ultimate anti-hero and we have this great concept of the bat and the cat and this is very reflective of a lot of the Batman comics where him and, Bat- and Catwoman have a situation and relationship. She's a major character in this film. It seems like they're going to set her up for maybe her own franchise of movies, at least one movie. And Bat and 
What was I going to say? Yeah, well, her movie's in pre-production right now. Yeah, and I think the trailer is doing a great job of hiding the ambiguity of the character because sometimes she's morally good, sometimes she's morally wrong. I like putting her in the first film of the franchise. Usually she's in the second or third films, uh, but I thought it was smart to just like just throw her right in. Um, she's a great um, op- uh, opposite of Bruce Wayne's Batman and Zoe Kravitz, super talented actor. Uh, I'm very curious to see how they're connected what motivates her to want to help Batman? Like, why does she want to aid him and assist him? Um, like, what is it that she's getting out of all of it? So I'm very curious about what her motivations are. And will she ever betray Batman? Maybe if she finds out who Bruce truly is, maybe she'll find out at the end of the movie who he is. And I like the lines where he's at her apartment. She's like, I have a thing about, and she, he's like, got a lot of cats. She says, I have a thing about strays. And she's probably referring to herself there, calling herself a stray, which maybe is why she takes them in. She's drinking milk, so maybe she's a stray herself. Do I watch Netflix? <laughs> Netflix and chill. Have you watched Squid Game? I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. That was funny. All right. Um, there's one other thing that I'd like to talk about. What would that be? So the Wayne's connection to Gotham City and crimes in Gotham and why the Riddler seems to be going after the Waynes and why he's using Bruce as a target for showing him everything about the truth about these lies that he has been fed his entire life probably because it seems like Bruce is ignorant to what Riddler's goal is and what he's doing and so this is kind of a bit of a maybe I don't know if it's a spoiler or not this is just what I found in doing research so if you don't want to hear this I would just fast forward a little bit because it's it's a it's a part of the comics what if I don't want to hear it then should I not say it then? What is it? Is, what's it entail? It's, it, a, it's a secret organization in Gotham City. I don't want spoilers. All right. That you know sounds what? spoilery. We'll save that yeah. for, the, for the movie then yeah. because – Get out of here with that. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, But James. in terms of the Wayne's connections to crime in Gotham City, is is the, are the Waynes a part of this society of injustice? Is Are they part of – What's led to the downfall of Gotham City, which has caused people like the Riddler to act out and want to fight back against them, which you could assume, again, like he maybe he's a sort of vigilante, something like that. Yeah, I would I would say so. That's what it seems like. Um, but also, just real quick, a couple other characters. Who else is there? Um, uh, Peter Sarsgaard is in this movie. He plays a district attorney, so I'm sure that's going to be a pretty solid role. Two-Face? Because he's an excellent role. Possible He's an, he's an excellent actor, so he'll, he's playing Gil. Hold on, let me get this real Never quick. mind. Hold on, keep keep talking. District Attorney Gil Coulson, played by Peter Sarsgaard, who's an awesome actor, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's an important role. That might be a juicy role because he's, he's doing it. Yeah, he's a great character. He's played a lot of villains in the past. Um, again, Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon is such a great choice. Can't wait to see him and his interactions with Bruce and Batman, and he'll be getting his own TV show at HBO as James Gordon doing Gotham. Under- oh, nice. Work, Detective which, work yeah. in Gotham. That's um, sick. And then we have, you know... If you run through the cast list, you'll see all sorts of characters and, you know, not just police, but you'll see FBI and stuff like that. So it seems like the investigations of this serial killer, the Riddler, is just reaching out to all different forces of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I got some fun facts if you want to do some. Let's do it. All right. So Robert Pattinson auditioned for the Batman using Val Kilmer's Batman suit, the original suit from Batman Forever, which came out in 1995. And director Matt Reeves stated that while he wrote the screenplay, he listened to the track Thank God for the Rain from the soundtrack of Taxi Driver on a loop. So the score by Bernard Herrmann with the saxophone. That's a really good track. It's like a very eerie kind of track. Mm -hmm. Reeves confirmed the casting of Robert Pattinson as Batman two days later on his Twitter account by posting a GIF 
of Pattinson's character from the film Good Time, accompanied by three bat emojis. Yes, so it's confirmed that it's going to be a three-picture deal. Heck yeah. Oh, nice. Colin Farrell wears makeup and a fat suit for his role as the Penguin. The facial prosthetics were comprised of six distinct pieces. In order to ensure there were no visible seams, crew members would shine harsh flashlights into his face before approving him to go to set. Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne character is inspired by Kurt Cobain. Director Matt Reeves was listening to Nirvana's Something in the Way, which was also featured in the trailer when he wrote the first act. That's when it came to me that rather than make Bruce Wayne the Playboy version we've seen before, there's another version who had gone completely through a great tra- great tragedy and became a recluse. So I started making this connection to Gus Van Sant's film Last Days with the idea of this fictionalized version of Kurt Cobain being in this kind of decaying manner, which is a great movie by Gus Van Sant. The Batman was originally supposed to be Ben Affleck's original solo Batman movie. He would have starred, written, and directed the film. And the villain of the film would have been Deathstroke, played by Joe Manganiello. And the screenplay would have prominently featured Arkham Asylum. However, after Ben Affleck dropped out from writing and then directing, that's when Matt Reeves came in and stepped in to become the director and rewrote a new script. All right, that wraps our preview of The Batman. Don't worry. We're going to talk way more Batman. Once it comes out, we're going to see it a few times. Then we're going to do a full, long, spoilered episode talking about this incredible, what we can assume to be incredible, three-hour epic of the Batman. Let us know what your fan theories are for this movie, and we can't wait to hear your reactions to it. I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.